0: Alright, 1015, 10, 1015, 10, how we doing today? I got two people making noise because everybody else is still talking. One more time. 1015, how we doing today? That's what I'm talking about. Hey, a couple, couple quick announcements I have for you. I promise you, you do not want to miss these. The first one is this. I need you to make some noise if you've already signed up. But we have our multiplier celebration happening tonight. Okay, wow. Listen, okay, y'all stop, y'all just stop, y'all stop, y'all stop. We're going to try that one more time, all right, if you've already signed up, because I'm looking out, I'm like, I know more than three people have signed up for this daggum thing, so if you're coming to the Multiplier Celebration tonight, make some noise for me. Thank you. The, f- listen, here's the deal, the first time y'all didn't make noise, there's new people in the room and they're like, man, their they're volunteers aren't even excited to come to their celebration. Don't do us like that, okay? Good representation. One more time. If you're coming tonight, make some noise. Okay, I can live with that. Hey, you know what? Y'all can awkwardly just go ahead and exit because I've asked you to stop. So, yeah, you want to keep playing? It's up to you. Okay, y'all keep playing then. All right. Hey, listen! If you're new to this church, we're just a big family. We like to have fun. We like to joke around. Uh, so, Multiplier Celebration is happening tonight from five to seven. Doors open at four forty-five. Uh, we have childcare. Uh, we have a comedian coming. Food's going to be served. Man, we want to. We just want to celebrate everyone that serves at our church. Next thing that we have coming up is next Sunday is our Family Day service. So I know many of you have been a part of our Family Day services before. Man, we like to party. We like to celebrate. There's going to be blow-ups. There's going to be stuff for kids. There's going to be a hot chocolate bar. I think there's a donut wall, whatever that means, but there's a donut wall. Uh, You can just come in and grab a donut, something like that. Um, Now, this is what I need you to hear, okay? Hear me on this. Everybody paying attention to me? There's one service next week. The only service that we have next week is our 1015 service. All right, We're not doing 845, we're just doing 1015. This is the reason most of 845 comes to 1015 anyway, because they want to be a part of Family Day. So this is what I'm going to challenge you to do. Get here early because we're going to be packed out. We're going to put as many chairs in here as we can, but we're combining both services and we're going to absolutely celebrate our Family Day. With that being said, that is our last Sunday service of the year, all right? We put all this information in your chairs. We've emailed this to you. I'm just reiterating this. We will not have a Sunday service on December the 25th. Alright? We do have a video that will be put out. However, however, we do have a Christmas Eve service the Saturday before. So we have our Christmas Eve service from 4pm to 5pm. Man, for us, that's going to be our candlelight service. We're going to take communion. We're going to create a family style service so our kids will be in here. We're going to celebrate. With that being said, we do have a nursing mother's room. There will be some spots for kids if you do have smaller kids that you want to put in that. Okay, this is what I need from you. If you heard everything that I said and you're tracking with me, let me see you nod your head. All right. I feel like I'm back in the classroom and I'm teaching. Okay. All right. So if you show up to an 845 service and there's not a service, guess what? You get to serve. So you're going to help us set this thing up for church for 1015. All right. Brian King was in here earlier for a first service and he was like, don't tell him first service is over because then he wanted everybody to come to to serve. So we have people uh, coming to serve for that. I do have two more announcements and I had to write them down on on a note card uh, because they happen after I finish my notes. But the first one is this. How many of you guys noticed all the toys in the lobby? Notice all the toys next to the Christmas tree? Here's what's crazy. All of those toys were donated to our church. Um, And this is what they were donated for. They were donated for families inside the church and for families outside the church. Uh, there's toys around that Christmas tree. That big box that's behind the Christmas tree, it's still half full. This is what we need your help doing, all right? We need you to take toys to your local community, all right? Also, if you're a family in the room uh, and you need toys for your kids, man, grab grab the toy for your kid. And then grab two or three to give it out to a neighbor, to give it out to a friend, give it out to families in need. We found out Thursday we were getting these toys. So I got a phone call from a buddy of mine. He said, hey, we want to donate some toys to, uh, to your church. Can you use them? I said, absolutely. I'm thinking it's going to be a few. It was a pallet full, So we have to get rid of these toys, all right? So make sure if you have a kid, grab a toy for your kid and then grab one for your kiddo to give away to someone else. Uh, this time of year, there's there's a lot of individuals that they will try out church for the first time. They'll try out church for the first time, maybe in a long time or or for the first time ever. And uh, inside the church kind of community or circle, we often call people that go to church uh, on Christmas and Easter. We like to call them Creasters because they only show up at Christmas and Easter. Um, so. We know that this is a time of year that people want to come to church, they want to experience church, they want to try it out. My challenge to us as a church is to invite people, to be bringers of people. Don't just pay it lip service, don't just show up and, and you fill your seat, but what would it look like if all of us started to invite or bring people to church uh, on a Sunday? say, Zach, well how, how am I supposed to do that? I mean, you can do it wherever you find yourself. This past Thursday, uh, my wife bought me a, an early, an early uh, Christmas present, uh, some concert tickets, and so we went down to Charlotte for a concert this past Thursday, and, and in this venue, it was kind of standing room only. And one of two things happened. You either became friends with the individual standing next to you, or you started arguing with the individuals standing next to you because we were just so tight. Good thing for us, we made some friends uh, that were standing next to us. I know some of them had to work today, but one of them showed up. Where are you? Go ahead and stand up. Okay, stand up. Everybody turn around. There you go. All right, wait. Sc- scream out your name for us. Say it one more time. So Blaine showed up. Blaine lives right down the street. Hey, Anwar, he plays guitar, all right? So everybody give it up for Blaine for showing up. We met at a concert randomly on a Thursday night and he came to church. Uh, But man, this this is what I would say to us. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid to invite people. Don't be afraid to bring people. Blaine, our conversation shifted when I told you I was a pastor. Our conversation changed when the group that you were with, the group that I was with, and, and then that turned into, hey, why don't you come hang out with us? And you're like, I oh, why not? And then I was like, what do you do? And you were wearing one of your shirts, you're a musician, you were wearing one. I said, hey, what's your logo for? You're like, oh, I'm a musician, I play guitar. And I was like, definitely come to our church. But man, we're excited that you're here. And I would challenge everyone in the room, wherever you find yourself this week, man, be an inviter, be a bringer. God changed your life. You are here because someone invited you, or someone brought you here, or someone told you about the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus, and your life was radically changed. What? If, what if? What if a year from now someone is telling their salvation story because you introduced them to a church, you introduced them to Jesus. What if somebody can't tell? I tell this story all the time. I can't tell my salvation story. I can't tell my story about following Jesus without mentioning two names. I can't. Tell my story without mentioning my youth pastor, who I grew up with, Bill Wireman, and Kevin Sheps, who invited me to church. Who couldn't mention their salvation story without mentioning the impact that you had in in their life? Man, that's just something for us to think about. I'm getting off my soapbox. That's not even part of the sermon today. So here we go. Thanks. Don't give it up for the the guys playing behind me. Listen, uh, last week, last week we started our Christmas series called Great Expectations. And we walk through the idea and the understanding of this word called Advent. If you've been in the church for any amount of time, or, or maybe you've seen kind of signs that churches are putting up, you see this word called Advent. And we understand by definition that Advent is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And for us inside the church, that all revolves around Jesus. Advent in and of itself means expectation. So what is your expectation for the Christmas season? What is your expectation of your life? What is your expectation of your job? What what is your expectation of your family, of your future? Advent means expectation. And, and as we walk through this scripture, we started off last week in 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want to read verse 3 to us again. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance. Remember, as Peter's penning this letter, he's looking back to the prophets, but looking forward to the coming of Christ. And that's what we're doing now. We we look back to the prophets. We look back to the scripture. We look back to individuals who spent time with Jesus. Why? So that we can look forward to the second coming of Christ. So we can look forward to his return. Last week, we talked about three groups and and their expectation. And the the first group was the expectation of the wise men. And and Pastor Manny got up here and, and he taught us that The wise men had studied for decades and decades and centuries and centuries, studying the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah. Remember what Isaiah wrote in chapter 9, verse 6? 700 years before Jesus was born, what did he write? He said, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And then Pastor Keith got up here and he talked about the expectation of the Jewish people and how their expectation of Jesus' arrival didn't completely match with how he actually came. Man, they expected this king and this warrior to, to come in and to overthrow the Roman government, but what we find is Jesus was born in a manger, and he rode in on a donkey to be crucified. And then we looked at the expectation of the shepherds, and we dove into that scene with the shepherds, but... But to me, there's so much more to unpack. There's layers to their story. So I want to revisit their expectation this morning. Because with the shepherds, last week we noted that shepherds in the time of Jesus were deprived of all civil rights. In the time of Jesus, they could not fulfill judicial offices or be admitted into court as a witness. In fact, one theologian wrote this, to buy wool, milk or animals from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it was already stolen property how how would you like it if someone automatically viewed you that way because of a job or a title that you held you're stripped of all civil rights You you can't hold any type of office. You can't be admitted into court. In fact, you can't even approach someone to try to barter or sell them something because they already assume that you're no good and that you've stolen it. That's how they were viewed. They were considered the bottom of the barrel. They were considered the outcast. Yet once they encountered angels and once they saw Jesus lying in a manger, Scripture tells us that they glorified and praised Him. But how are they able to do all of that? How were they able to encounter an angel, go see Jesus, and be forever changed? Because I'll be honest with you, if an angel appeared right now, I don't know how I would react. Some of y'all are nodding your head like, yeah, I don't know how I would react either. Like, we we want to sit and read this story as if it's just natural for it to happen. It's just the natural response for the shepherds to go, oh, yeah, let's go follow Jesus. But could you imagine the scene for a second, man? they're They're sitting in the field, right? And society has told them they were outcast. Society has told them that they're no good. Anyone that they have ever encountered doesn't want to have anything to do with them. They're tending to their flock, and all of a sudden, flash of light in the sky, angel appears. Hey, go check out this dude named Jesus. He's lying in a manger in Bethlehem. Huh? I I don't know how I would react. Now, I thought that in keeping with the the Christmas season that we would take a look at a few different movies this morning and, and we would remember some of the scenes and how individuals in the scenes reacted because I think their reaction more aligns with how I would react if I were the Shepherds. Now, by a show of hands, who remembers the Tim Allen Santa Claus movies? Show of hands. I love it. I love it. Listen, I thought these movies were like 10 years old. They're not. They're a lot older than I thought they were. But if you remember back to the original Santa Claus and the original Tim Allen movie, what happens? uh, Tim Allen's character, he's with his son, Charlie, and, and Charlie's waiting for Santa to appear. And Charlie hears something, a noise on the roof. And he tries to wake up his dad, and then eventually his dad wakes up, and he walks outside, and he kind of looks off of his porch, and, and he sees this guy laying in the snow face down. And, and he thinks, like, oh, man, this is some poor dude that don't know what happened to him, but he's not in a good situation. He's a little confused. He's like, all right, bud, like, time to get up, time, time to get out of here kind of deal and he walks down his his walkway, and then when he turns around, he hits his head on the ladder that appeared going to the roof. And again, he's confused, so he walks back over to the guy to talk to him, and the guy's gone, but his clothes are still there. He's like, I don't know what's going on. And he turns around, and Charlie starts climbing the ladder, and the camera pans up to the top of the roof, and the reindeer are standing on the roof. And Tim Allen's character is met with a little bit of confusion, a little bit of chaos, and a little bit of uncertainty. What, what, about, what about this movie? What about The Grinch? By a show of hands, who likes The Grinch? All right, who likes the Jim Carrey Grinch? I love the Jim Carrey Grinch. Who likes the, like, the newer animated Grinch? Anybody in the room? A little bit? Yeah? you're showing your age right there. You're like, no, I like, the, I like that, the old one. Who likes like the original old school, like old animated Grinch? All right, you're really showing your age now. All right, put those hands down real quick. No, but let's talk about, let's talk about the Jim Carrey Grinch. If you remember, uh, the Grinch kind of sneaks into town and he makes his way into the mail room and and Whoville, man, they're shopping for Christmas, they're getting their gifts, and, and the Grinch starts changing everybody's presents and, and the envelopes and moving it around, and, and Cindy Lou Who makes her way into the mail room, and, and somehow, like, the Grinch is plastered up against the wall, like, looking down at her, and, and his mask falls off, and then Cindy Lou Who sneezes, and he says, Gazuntike falls to the ground, and Cindy Lou Who's like, you're the, 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 and he screams, the Grinch! And they scream, there's chaos, there's confusion, they're running around. That's something of the sorts of the reaction that I would have if I encountered the Grinch or if I encountered an angel. And and I can see I'm losing a few of you because of the wisdom in the room. So let me speak to the wisdom in the room. If you're over a certain age, you know what I'm talking about. How many of you appreciate the original animated Rudolph movie by a show of hands? All right, I just, I just hooked a couple of you. I lost you with Santa Claus, I lost you with the Grinch, but man, you're on, you're on track with animated Rudolph. But remember, remember Rudolph. Y'all, do y'all know who Yukon Cornelius is? Okay, if I was ever a character in a movie, I would be Yukon Cornelius. Some of y'all are like, I have no idea. Just pull out your phone and Google Yukon Cornelius real quick, all right? We're all gonna hear random laughs in about three minutes. I even have a blue puffy jacket that I was going to wear this morning, but I settled for a blue plaid. But in the animated Rudolph movie, Rudolph is with Yukon Cornelius and the abominable snowman. Like, he appears, and, and Rudolph's like, my nose is giving me away. It's like my hair gives, I'm like, a, I'm like a perfect mix between Rudolph and Yukon Cornelius. But Rudolph's like, my nose is giving me away, and there's confusion, and there's chaos, and they're running from the abominable snowman. Again, I feel like that's what my reaction would be if a burst of light was in the sky and an angel came down. Now, with this one, I know the room is going to be split. Some of you are going to just drop your head and shake. And some of you are going to scream with Christmas joy. Uh, But what about the movie Elf? By a show of hands, who likes the movie Elf? My wife, she's like guiltily like put Okay, here's a fun fact about my wife. My wife can dang near quote the entire movie of Elf. All right, So y'all can judge her now for that. Don't even do it later. Judge her now. But we watch, it. We watch the movie Elf and my family and uh, remember the scene where Elf, he's like in the mall and, and the Santa Claus walks in and Elf is like, it's me! It's me! And then he's like looking at him he's like, that's not the real, that's not the real Santa Claus. And he walks up to him and he, and he says these two lines. He says, like, you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> then Elf looks at Santa, and he says, you stink. You smell like beef and cheese, right? And then he rips the beard off, and he's like, he's a fake, he's a fake. And, and in that scene, there's confusion, and there's chaos, and, and there's uncertainty. All of these encounters were full of chaos and confusion and uncertainty. All of those responses feel acceptable if I were to encounter something that I didn't fully understand. And yet we read the scripture and we read about the shepherds as if it was just a natural response for them to walk into Bethlehem and to see Jesus lying in a manger. And how would we really respond if I was a shepherd and an angel appeared? What would my true reaction be? Now, Luke chapter 2 verse 9 tells us what their original reaction was. And we can't gloss over this, but their original reaction, I'll read it to you. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and they were terrified their original reaction was fear but in a moment their reaction changed why didn't they remain in fear and i think the answer is found in first peter chapter one verse two and may grace and peace be multiplied to you I've learned three specific things that Scripture shows us through the shepherd's experience. If you're taking notes and, and writing them down, write this down. The first one is this. Where there is peace, there is no room for fear. Where there's peace, there's no room for fear. Luke chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. A flash of light in the sky. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news That will cause great joy for all people. Man, have you ever been in in a conversation or a situation that, regardless of what someone was trying to tell you, it was like you had earmuffs on and you couldn't even hear what they were saying? You were just focused on the situation at hand? I feel like that's what I would be like if I were the shepherds. How did they even hear verse 10? How did they even hear? How did they even hear these words? Don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Because I don't know if I would have even heard what the angels were saying. What would your true response be? Why was it so easy for them to hear verse 10? Why was it so easy for them to hear, "Do not be afraid"? I think that answer is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It was said earlier this morning. It was read last week. Let me read it to us again. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. His nature, his character, the the character and the nature of Jesus himself is that he is the Prince of Peace. What I know is this, where Jesus is present, fear can't reside. Where Jesus is present, fear can't reside throughout scripture. The Bible says, do not fear or fear not 365 times. Jesus himself says in John chapter 14, verse 27, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. One of the greatest gifts that Jesus left to humanity, that he left to you and that he left to me, is called peace. Listen, there are people around us that leave a legacy of chaos. They leave a legacy of anxiety. They leave a legacy of depression. They leave a legacy of stress. They leave a legacy of fear. And and you've experienced those people. Why? Because I'll prove it to you. Because as soon as you have an encounter with them, As soon as you have a conversation with them, you walk away carrying their anxiety. You walk away carrying their fear. You walk away carrying whatever they expressed their emotion was. For some reason, a lot of people, they like to check Jesus at the door of whatever situation they're going through. Man, I'm having a a hard time in my life and in my family. Hey, God, could you do something about that? I'll check you at this door and I'm gonna go try to deal with it by myself. We don't let God fully step into our situation. We check him out the door and then try to deal with the situation by ourselves. You go ahead and fill in your own blank. I don't know what you're dealing with. You know what you're dealing with. You know what you're walking through on a day to day, a week to week, an hour by hour basis. You know your family situation. You know your job situation, you know your marriage situation, you know your relationship with your kids and how you want it to change. You know what you're walking through. For some reason, you check the Prince of Peace at the door and you say, Jesus, I'm going to leave you here, but I got to work on this situation. Hey, if you want to help me work on it, then can you just give me some advice opposed to allowing Jesus to step into the center of the situation that you're dealing with? We choose to check him at the door. Paul says that God's peace is so radical that it's a peace that surpasses all understanding, that it will guard our hearts and our minds and our souls. Listen, the voice of the angel might have caused fear and confusion, but the presence of Jesus brought peace. The presence of Jesus brought them peace. Ask a couple questions. What's your greatest fear this Christmas season? It's awkward when it's quiet, right? But what if you had to actually answer that question for yourself? What's your greatest fear this Christmas season? Maybe you're afraid of the emotions that you're about to feel. Many people in the room, you've lost a loved one. Many people in the room, you know what it's like stepping into that extended family and and that house and those fears and those failures that are going to be brought up, those arguments that are going to be had. Like, I don't want to go over there, but I have to. What's your biggest fear this Christmas season? What's What's your biggest fear in the next season of your life? As you look into 2023, you know there's some hard decisions that you have to make. There's maybe a job shift that you have to make. Maybe, maybe God is calling you to move one direction that you're like, nope, not happening. What's your, biggest, what's your biggest fear in the next season of your life? What's your biggest fear in your family? Man, one of my biggest fears, I told you guys, man, I go to counseling every other week. One of the fears that, that I've talked about with my counselor, I talked to, uh last Friday, last Friday, one of the biggest fears that I talked about was, man, the fear of not being a good father and a good husband. My dad taught me a lot of great things. Man, my dad, my dad taught me how to be a man. My dad taught me to, to stay true to my word. My dad taught me, you know, how, how to love people to an extent. Um, he taught me how to play sports. I man, he taught me a lot of good life lessons. One thing that I didn't learn from my dad was how to be a good husband one of the biggest fears of my life. And for the first few years of, of our marriage, what I found myself doing was, was trying to figure out how to be a good husband opposed to allowing God te- to teach me how to be a good husband. I would check him at that door that I talked about earlier. Hey, God, I'm going to check you here. Jesus, I'm going to check you here. Let me go try to work on my marriage. I'll, I'll tell you a secret. I mean, our first couple years of marriage was rough. Anybody else in the room like that? your first couple of years of marriage? Somebody wanted to put their hand up. I think I saw a wife like, no, no, it was not. No, it wasn't. And it was rough. Why? Because I was trying to, by myself, oppose to allowing the Prince of Peace to step into my situation. What, what's, your, what's your biggest fear? What's your biggest fear in your family? Man, one of the fears that I have in my family is that I wouldn't raise up my girls to follow Jesus. I can't check Jesus at the door. I have to allow him to step into the situation. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. What's your biggest fear? Fears are real emotions, but Jesus is called our prince of peace. And fear cannot reside when Jesus is present. If I keep Jesus at the center of my marriage, I'm going to be a good husband. I'm not going to be a perfect husband. I'll be a good husband. If I keep Jesus at the center of my relationship with my girls, I might not be a perfect dad, but I'm going to be a good dad. You fill in your own blank. As long as you keep Jesus in the center, fear, fear can't exist in the presence of Jesus. The second thing we learn is this, where there is peace, there's a spirit of worship. Now let's continue to read the story of the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. Going back to verse 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. The angels begin to worship. They begin to praise God. They begin to praise Jesus. Why? Because they had experienced the praise in heaven with Jesus. If we drop down to verse 20, after the shepherds encountered Jesus, what did they do? The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and all the things they had seen, which were just as they had been told. I mean, they returned worshiping God, but why did they worship? It was because of what they heard and what they saw. Some of us in the room, we're trying to live a faith-based life off of just what we've heard. What we've heard about someone else. What we've heard about our family member, what we've heard about that extended friend, opposed to an experiencing it ourselves. Listen, you can come to church and you can hear me talk, or you can hear one of our other pastors talk, and you can hear all you want, but until you experience it yourself, you'll never fully encounter who God is to you. You can't do it, it's not practical. Following Jesus isn't something you just read about. It's something you do. It's something you experience. You have to see it for yourself. When's the the last time you worship God just for who he is? I'm not talking about, hey, God, can you help me out with this situation? Hey, Lord, you see my family situation. Hey, Lord, can you heal this? Can Can you help me with this decision? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the, the last time you talked to God or prayed to God. When's the last time you worship God just for who he is? Not because you wanted something from it? It's not quid pro quo, right? It's not like I'll do something for you, you do something for me. No, it, it doesn't work that way. When's the last time you just worshiped God for who he is, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of the season that you find yourself in? You can be on the highest of highs or in the lowest of lows. When's the last time you just worship God and praise God for who he is? Man, the shepherds, they returned glorifying and praising God for who he was. They started to worship. The presence of God is our peace And should cause us to worship. If we say we have the peace of God, then we should reflect that peace in our everyday life. It's because of what they had seen and what they had heard. I think that's why it's important that we share our testimony. While we share our stories about God and and how he's showed up in in our life. Because our culture and our society, we do a really, really good job at talking about the negative. We do a really, really good job at telling you about the situations that we're going through that are hard. But we don't like to follow up with them. Meaning, okay, a couple weeks ago, told you guys, my daughter had another seizure. Yes, she did. But guess what? I believe that God healed her. Shame on me if I just tell you about the negative stuff and don't tell you about the positive stuff. Hey, did my grandmother pass away last week? Absolutely. Did I have to do her funeral? Absolutely. But guess what? I truly believe that she's living with Jesus in heaven. We want to tell the negative part of the story without the praise report. We want to tell the hard. Why? Because the hard part of the story gets attention. And you know who it gets attention to? You. I'll tell the negative stuff because then the attention's on me. Naturally, we want attention. Naturally, we want all eyes on us. But when we, when we tell the praise, when we tell the outcome, when we tell how God showed up, guess who gets the attention? God does. We don't. And they glorified and praised. I truly believe that there's individuals in our society that would be led to the throne room of heaven. They would be led to the presence of God. They would experience the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus if people inside the church would open up their daggum mouth and start telling about the stories how God showed up in their life. We want to go and tell the negative story opposed to telling the story of how God revealed himself to us, how we encounter God, how he answered the prayer. I truly believe that people would experience the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus, maybe for the first time in their entire life, if we just shared our stories. That's what the shepherds did. What does Scripture tell us? The Scripture says, okay, there was an angel. angel says, go to Bethlehem. They go to Bethlehem. They see Jesus. But they didn't stay there. A lot of times we want to think, oh, i got to come to church to feel good. And as long as I come to church, I'll feel good. I'll check the box, and, and it, it ends there. No. What does Scripture say? They returned. They went back, glorifying, praising, and telling everyone about their, the encounter that they had. Man, what if we, what if we took that literal what if we went back into our workplace glorifying and praising and telling people about the experience that we had with Jesus? What if we went back to that family member's house that we really don't want to go visit this Christmas season, and we say, hey, you know what, regardless of our indifferences, I mean, I got to tell you about this guy named Jesus, and he's done something so radical in my life, and, and, and I just want to tell you that may, maybe he'll do something radical in your life. It's like, why isn't there more peace in the world? The world can't have peace until they have Christ. Our culture and our society refuses to acknowledge Jesus for who he is. It's one of those if-then statements. Y'all remember taking the ACT? (laughs) I hated those questions. It's like if-then. All right. Well, if you acknowledge God for who he is, then you'll have a peace that surpasses all understanding. You can't have a peace that surpasses all understanding if you don't acknowledge God for who he is. Because ultimately what we recognize is, is number three. Where there is peace, there is revelation. Verse 15 goes on to say this. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Listen, the shepherds' initial reaction in verse 9 was a fear. But that turned to peace because of what the angels revealed to them. Again, think back. Shepherds were considered ordinary, lowly people. The fact that God would choose shepherds to reveal His plan to is a demonstration of God's grace. Listen, I'm just a normal dude. I've got my own flaws. I've got my own shortcomings. But in a weird way, I feel like the shepherds. That all I've been sent here to do is to spread the peace of Jesus. Zach, why do you tell so many personal stories? Because that's what I see people doing in scripture. Zach, why do do you share? Why why are you you so intimate with the congregation like that? Because I, I hope and I pray that I wouldn't just talk about the negative, but I would reveal who Jesus is in my life, and maybe you would catch a glimpse of it and start to encounter him for yourself. I can read the points. I can give you the the three-point scripture every Sunday. I can tell you where there's peace, there's no room for fear. I can tell you where there's peace, there's a spirit of worship. And I can tell you that where there is peace, there is revelation. But you will never move past fear unless you fully step into worship for yourself. You'll never get a full revelation of who God is just by listening to me talk. You have to encounter Him for yourself. If you had to truly answer this question, what would your response be? In your life, do you truly have peace? You can, you can mask the peace all you want to. You can have fake peace, you can have false fulfillment, something that fills the void for a season. Some of you have been in relationships like that. You thought this relationship was going to bring you peace, bring you hope, bring you fulfillment bring you joy. And it did until it didn't. Some of you, again, I said earlier, you'll buy all the presents, you'll eat all the food, you'll watch all the movies, you'll spend all the time with family and you will feel full until you don't. Do you, do you truly have peace? A peace that surpasses all understanding. Man, I want to say thank you to everyone who has, has called me, text me, you know, reached out to me in the past couple of weeks and really throughout this past year I, I look back on this year and my brother-in-law have uh, we have a, a term that I can't say from stage for 2022 but we didn't like it too much I think we experienced four or five deaths in our family it's like every other year or every other month someone passed away but I, I've, I've told many of you this man in an odd way in a strange way, I have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I'm not just paying lip service to that. I truly believe that in my heart. I've had people say, Zach, I don't know how you've done all that you've done in the past couple of weeks. All the funerals, all the traveling, blah, blah, blah. Hey, here's my response. Man, I got a peace that surpasses all understanding. Do I have pain? Yeah, I do. Am I sad? Yeah, I mean, I am. But I have a peace that surpasses all understanding. All understanding. The key, all understanding. I can't comprehend it. I can't even try to explain it. All I can tell you is you have to experience it for yourself. How do you experience it? And you worship Jesus? You worship Jesus. You worship with your whole heart. Regardless of what you're going through. Here's my challenge. If your marriage is on the rocks, then praise Jesus. If your job isn't turning out like you planned it to, praise Jesus. If your life seems a bit chaotic, praise Jesus. Because what I know is that you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of chaos. You can have a peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of confusion. You can have a peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of uncertainty. But it starts with praising Jesus for who He is. Peace can't stem from anything else but an encounter with Jesus my prayer is that all of us would experience a peace that only Jesus can bring I don't know man maybe maybe deep down maybe deep down we're all truly like the shepherds maybe deep down we would all realize that we're just ordinary people my dad would say it this way we all put our pants on the same way we're just ordinary people I don't care what your job title is I don't care what you do in your life. I don't care how many zeros are in your bank account. By the way, I got a lot of zeros in my bank account. You know if you open up a checking account, it starts with zero. Some of you are like, I got a lot of zeros too. I don't care what your socioeconomic status is. Can those things make an impact? Sure, they can. But those things don't bring peace. Only Jesus can bring peace peace. Maybe at some point, you felt like the shepherds and you felt like the outcast. You felt uncertain. You felt like no one really valued you. Maybe in some odd way, we're all just like the shepherds. And you'll never truly experience certainty or or belonging. You might for a season, but those voids will never be full without The presence of Jesus. So this is what I'm going to ask all across this room man if we could just stand. Because what I know is this, very practically, very practically, an angel appeared, the shepherds walked to a manger and they saw Jesus. Now practically, alright Lord, will you let an angel appear? No angels this morning. Very practically, I can't walk up to a manger and see Jesus but you know what I can do I can praise and I can worship so maybe just for a moment we would lift our palms back towards heaven and we would worship the prince of peace and as we worship God for who he is as we worship a risen king and a risen savior maybe that peace would start to fill our life God come do whatever you want to joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.